This is the PSA Podcast, where we deep dive into the business of technology and automation. Welcome back to the PSA Podcast, where we deep dive into the business of technology and automation. I'm Marty Wolf, and with me in the studio today is Mike McHale, and Mike is the CEO of PSA Systems, which stands for Production Systems Automation. Welcome, Mike. Thank you, Marty. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. We've got another great one lined up here today. Great guest. Great guest. Uh, by the way, I want to say it right away that uh, PSA Systems, you can find them at psasystems.com. Our guest with us today, coming in via Skype, is Joe Campbell, and Joe is the head of marketing for the Americas at the Universal Robots Worldwide Company. I guess it's a worldwide company, certain from the designations I see, Mike. So tell us a little more about Joe and how you know him and what's the connection. So, Joe, thanks for being on. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've gotten to know Joe um, as we signed up as an integrator with uh, UR Robotics. And the reason why we wanted to have Joe on is to, A, talk about his uh, background in automation and robotics from his past at ABB um, and his current jobs here at uh, UR Robotics. And, Tell us a little bit about you are and um, you know what the future holds. So, Joe, why don't you give us a little bit about your background and history, and then uh, you know a little background and history on you are. Thanks, Mike and Marty. Really glad to be here. Yeah, I am. Uh, I am a longtime robot professional. I've been in the industry for a few more years than I care to confess to, but let's just say it's uh, lots of decades. Um, I spent most of my career on the traditional side, working for a variety of companies in that space. Um, I've been with Universal for one year, which uh, has been a very, very pleasant surprise, which I can talk more about later. Universal is the number one uh, collaborative robot company in the world. At this point, we've shipped over 37,000 collaborative robots to every manner of industry on every continent possible. And um, we're actually, I think, fair to say we're, we're bringing a new paradigm to factory automation. And it's uh, it's really nice to see people like PSA come on board to work with us. Yeah, so so that growth, Joe, you know, so I got involved with PSA back in 2016, and that was really kind of the onset of UR, where UR was really being introduced, and you had you know, salespeople roaming across across America with robots in their trunk showing how they worked. To see um, where UR is today is pretty remarkable. And the, uh, it, it is, and it's. Uh, I mean, it's. Uh, we we joke about it that uh, working at UR is like working in dog years. The the acceleration just in the last twelve months that I've been here uh, continues to be incredible. It is breathtaking. Yeah. So, Joe, tell us a little bit about what markets that you see the best fit for UR. Like, what 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 are, what are you? You know, obviously, there's there's the big industrial robots, and what markets are you tackling or trying to tackle? Well, I think the first thing to remember is we're not looking to go head-to-head with a heavy payload industrial robot. That's not our space. Um, Our heaviest payload robot is now 16 kilos, the UR16E, which we just introduced uh, last month. The space that we're trying to occupy is the middle of the bell curve, simple applications that have immediate labor or quality impact that we can implement with a very low cost and a quick ROI. And that has been a formula that's really what's fueled the growth. And we bring that formula to all manner of companies. We love selling to big companies. We're very successful there. We love selling to small mom and pops. And I think the, uh, and literally the first customer that I met was a 16 person machine shop. 
And I can say in my entire career, I never would have made a sales call on a 16-person machine shop. But that is a great example of where the collaborative technology is very, very disruptive. And it's bringing automation into spaces that really just weren't available in the past. You know, I think we should back up a little bit, Joe. Maybe the one thing I forgot to ask for, for, for some of our listeners that might not know, what is a collaborative robot? When you say collaborative, what do you really mean by collaborative? Well, the, the definition of collaborative is, uh, is basically it's intrinsically safe uh, and able to work side by side with human operators. Now, that's a simple statement. There's a fair amount of work that goes into getting to that point, including risk assessments and evaluations. But, but that is the nature of collaborative. The second big feature that we've been very successful driving is an ease of use into the product. And that is what has made it attainable to very small companies who don't have a robotics department or an automation department. Uh, it's made it very, very uh, easy to apply for skilled integrators into, into more complex applications. But most of all, it's really driven the installed cost down uh, considerably. And so those are the those are the two main features of collaborative, uh, particularly in our case, ease of use and the ability to work side by side with human operators. So let's jump into the architecture a little bit. So so basically, Joe, what you're trying to say is if you work on an iPhone or an iPad, you can program the robot. Is that a, a kind of kind of a true statement in a way? Yep, it's uh, it is like peeling an onion. The outer layer is very, very simple. And of course, many applications are very simple. Um, I mean, I can literally have you teaching a pick-and-place application within 10 minutes. Um, now, you can go deeper, more complex applications, more complicated logic, uh, sensor integration. Even there, we make it a little bit easier than most uh, just by the architecture that the, the product is built on. I think what's unique about Universal is at the very beginning, we – were founded by people coming out of a university in Denmark in a small little town called Odense, which took me a couple times to figure out how to pronounce it <laughs> more or less properly. And what they did is they, they literally approached automation with a blank sheet of paper. So consequently, our programming language is very, very different. Our structure is very, very different. Uh, the whole ease of use paradigm has been played out throughout the product. And, you know, that kind of different approach is what really helps contain costs uh, in, in automation. Yeah, I think, you know, for that ease of use, the one, th the one program that you do have, that your CAPS program that you have with uh, end of arm tool integrations is really uh, something that's, that's quite interesting to, you know, to the integrators, um, just because of the simplicity to be able to buy a tool Screw it, screw it on the end of the robot and do a drop down and have it actually integrate is uh, pretty interesting. Can you talk about why the CAPS, how, how are you going to grow the CAPS program and uh, why it is changing the amount of engineering well, requirements? Absolutely. So again, that was that was one of the paradigms. The company's founders made a, a firm decision right out of the gate that we were not going to you know, evolve into end-of-arm tool manufacturing, vision systems, and other peripherals, right? We were going to stay in the, in our parlance, we were going to stay in our swim lanes. So the UR Plus program was developed 
to support that. And it is like an app store for UR robots. Um, and basically, a control architecture was opened up on our controller and provided to interested third parties who could develop products and software to fully integrate them into our architecture. So to your point about a gripper, a gripper is kind of a fundamental, right? Typical engineering to get a gripper on a end of a robot is probably in the order of four to seven days. There's a mechanical design function. There's a control function. Uh, electrical schematic is developed. Uh, software is written. And then it's all tested and, and validated. The UR Plus program does all that up front. And the burden for that integration is actually on UR and on the peripheral provider. And so if you're a gripper manufacturer and you want to build a gripper for the UR robots, you'll develop your product and you'll develop software according to our specs. And you basically submit that to UR for testing and validation. And if we validate the product, we validate that it fits mechanically, it fits electrically, and it fits from a software standpoint. And once that's done, as you pointed out, right, mounting the gripper to the end of arm of the robot and literally plugging in one cable now maps the performance parameters of that gripper all the way up through our controller, up to our software, right to the programming platform. Yeah, it's right? it, so, so powerful. And it's, it, strips, it strips days and days of engineering out. And if you're, if you're really trying to deliver cost-effective automation, every day matters. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're seeing that, especially in the machine tending side that we're, we're working on opportunities. You know, we're, we're, we're working on that flexibility to move from a, from a machine to a machine. We couldn't do that with a typical, you know, heavy payload robot. It's just too difficult. It's too expensive. Um, well, and that's, and that's been one hard. of the real breakaways in, uh, in the industry, in this whole concept of robot as a tool. With traditional automation, it's, well, there's two, two precepts. One is it's, historically, it's been all or nothing. Right? You either solved the entire application, every process step, or the project wouldn't justify. Yeah. Right? Because you couldn't have you couldn't have people or operators working side by side. So collaborative robots are very incremental. You can you can look at a ten step production process, right? And if you're having labor challenges, which frankly everybody is, find one process that you can automate automate it and then find another right? mm, so we have yep. this this really incremental approach to automation that has been very very successful yeah we're finding it too that uh, that the opportunities are kind of in areas you know s- spatially constrained areas where we couldn't put a standard robot because of um, all the guarding required or the interaction with employees or service interaction or just in a machine shop environment there's not enough room for all the guarding and yeah. you know the tool holding that you need to do, so it's nice and and, and it's nice and easy to move it around. Um, yeah, I've seen I've seen over over my career, I've seen so many projects just stall when the reality is that there has to be a major layout change on the floor space. Yeah, yeah, and it's too expensive because right? moving moving tools is brutal. Um, trying to find space that doesn't isn't there is difficult, and and f- frankly, floor space is expensive. Yeah. And 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 so, you know, those all kind of fade into this uh, to this low cost model that we're working against. Yeah. You know, the other thing that I that really makes it uh, quite interesting. To, the the other aspect that that's kind of strange to me is that this the amount of SKUs that UR has versus your competitors. 
where when we go to buy a you know, heavy payload industrial robot, we need to spend days making sure we're picking out all the right options and all the right um, features for that robot versus the UR, where it's kind of a flat skew-based uh, yeah, I mean, if if and frankly, if we tried to if we tried to solve all the market challenges that the traditional robot companies are, we'd probably look the same. But we focus very very carefully on this middle of the bell curve. Mm. Uh, here in the U.S., we actually, I mean, we sell seven models, but ninety five percent of our business is four part numbers. Wow. Right, and so. It, it gives us, it, it benefits us in so many ways. It simplifies the whole service and support paradigm. Um, we actually crush the lead time. We, we will ship a robot to any customer, any place in the world. PO to robot on your dock in seven days. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, it usually takes us seven to 30 days to be able to pick out the industrial robot that we need to use, let alone have it delivery. You know, yeah, well, if, yeah. if you have 5,000 configurations, that's yeah, what happens. It's very difficult. And it, 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 sh- it also shows up in the programming environment for the traditional uh, automation, right? Their programming environment has to support all those permutations and all that complexity, right? So consequently, it is, in some cases, very, very, very difficult. It requires a specialist. Yeah. And. Our approach has been to keep programming simple enough that for a straightforward application, I guarantee I can find somebody in that plant probably working on the line who has enough skill to master programming the UR robot in short order. Well, uh, this is Marty Joe. So <laughs> you said it earlier, uh, but it seems that simplicity is your strategic mission. It seems like as, as the company was founded, that that's what the market needed. And so you've said words like that. I know, peel back the onion, I know there's a lot to it, but it seems like that's the strategic intent when you go to market. Am, am I reasonably accurate? Well, you're correct. And I think what we also see in the UR Plus environment is um, we have partners that are helping to solve traditionally complex applications. Mm-hmm but they're doing them under the UR plus umbrella, mm. which by definition makes them far simpler and easier to deploy. Um, and, you know, there's, I'm mean, again, we've got over 200 products on the website now and the numbers climbing every month. Um, you know, you can see, for example, very, very complicated 3D vision mm. for random parts acquisition. That is literally programmed with a couple pushes of the button on the teach pendant. Mm. Right, because our requirements to be in the UR Plus program really bring out the best in our partners. And once they see how the model works, they want to be part of it. They want to be there. So, Joe, let's make sure that uh, everyone knows who we're speaking with. We are speaking with Joe Campbell. He is the head of marketing for the Americas for Universal Robots. Uh, Joe, to learn more about the company, uh, tell us your website. Uh, website is www.universal-robots.com. Say that again. www.universal-robots.com. And I also found Joe Campbell on LinkedIn. I don't know if he wants everybody to know that, but I did find Joe. That's a happy place. Uh, on LinkedIn. That happy, is a happy, happy place. Happy to meet people, meet other professionals in the industry. It is a great place. So I know you have more questions, Mike. Yeah, you know, the, the one thing that really struck me in the last three years was how you are transitioned from what everyone thought might have been a toy robot 
or a company that was going to fade away and maybe competitors didn't take you seriously, didn't take UR seriously three years ago, four years ago, how now it's moved into way more mainstream manufacturing plants, auto plants, welding opportunities. I mean, in the Fortune 10 companies, Fortune 100 companies. I mean, how, how did how did that really happen, Joe? I mean, what, what was the what was the impetus behind making that occur so quickly? Well, I think a couple things happened. Um, I think, first of all, we were under the radar for the traditional automation industry because we're different. Uh, again, I'll go back to that whole adage of, you know, being able to deploy a robot in a couple weeks, you know, simplified programming, really engaging operators on the floor to support the product. Um, and starting off in some very, very small companies, that was not the traditional model. And so I think we operated a little bit under the radar. Mm. We were acquired a couple year, a few years ago now by Teradyne Corporation out of Boston. And Teradyne is a manufacturer of very, very sophisticated semiconductor test equipment. And Paradine saw, Teradyne saw in our model something that really appealed to them. And so they, they invested in it and they pushed us to grow even faster. I think the milestone that shocked the industry was when we announced that we had shipped our 25,000th 25, robot. And that was, uh, uh, that was just a little over a year ago. And that, that number really shocked people because they realized there was a groundswell of momentum here that maybe hadn't been spotted yet. Yeah. You know, I, I, yeah, I definitely saw it happening. You know, I really saw it on Automate, the Automate show, um, not last year, the year before, um, where UR had a, probably the largest booth of the entire show and just had all the buzz. It was pretty impressive. Um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's, uh, and I'll take a, 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 a short side story. Um, I really didn't appreciate this until I started to go into some of the events. And last year, we were actually interviewing new uh, trade show booth providers. And they were showing all the diagrams and plans. And I had to explain to them that we couldn't have any graphics that were below chest height. Because at a trade show, our booth looks like the Apple store the week before Christmas. <laughs> you does. just can't get in. It's mm, it, and, it is. and it's because mm. the technology is approachable. It's mm. people people want to touch it. They want to learn from it, and we can do that right in the show floor. Yeah, it was really to be honest with you the the, um, the change in our position of being just a traditional large industrial robot integrator happened when um, our director of of business development uh, Joe Redding. Um, I took him over to the, uh, we, we went into the booth and we met with you and, and Justin <laughs> and Joe's coming from a traditional industrial robot company for 13 years. And we walked into the booth and Joe's like, ah, we, I don't, we shouldn't sign up for these things. And <laughs> <laughs> Justin grabbed them, threw them on a robot and Joe programmed the robot in 10 minutes to oh, do yeah. an activity. And Joe instantly looked at me and said, we have to sign up. We have to sign up now. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's, you know, in 2016, I kind of pushed it away. In 17, I pushed it away. And then, you know, we really, I mean, we just saw the difference. Um, you know, part of the other thing that, that kind of intrigues me is I'd like to talk about service and maintenance a little bit and how much easier it is to work on your robot um, versus some of the larger industrial, bigger units. Yeah, it's very straightforward. And that was, uh, it was, again, it was, we, we didn't come from a machine tool background. 
Mm. We didn't come from a heavy equipment background. So our founders, particularly our CTO, um, he took a very, very different approach to it. And, and so consequently, that's a, a key to the easy service and, and reliability. It's also key to our rapid delivery, right? Because the product is, is very easy to put together. Um, best example I can give that might resonate with some of your, your listeners who've, who've been in the business for a while. Uh, we Trade show robots, as you know, get beat up pretty bad because they're shipped around the world. And we had a joint failure on a trade show robot at Automate, as a matter of fact, last year. 30 minutes to replace an entire joint, recalibrate the robot, and bring it back online. Yeah, and that's... And that's, and that's, that's unprecedented. And, I think the other thing that happens is because our robots are relatively lightweight um, and, you know, they're durable, but they're very lightweight because they've been designed the ground up that way, um, it's very easy to go pull a robot that's having whatever issue may be present, pull it and replace it. Yeah, it, become, it becomes a, a very easy maintenance strategy at that point. Yeah, it's, it's almost becomes consumable. Um, it is. Yeah, it's consumable. Um, and, and part of it, you know, I look at th- that serviceability because if if we have a joint failure on one of our large industrial robots, now granted that doesn't happen very often. But it's, it's usually over long, long periods of runtime. It's not a one-week item or a two-week item. That's usually you know, multiple weeks, three, four weeks before we get service in because it's very mm-hmm. difficult for an integrator or any other any other non-OEM to work on that joint. Um, yeah, and, what and then we, the programming, the cost. Is, we've, tried to, we've tried to make them simple enough that we can we can push that uh, with those skills all the way down to the distributor level and actually right to the integrator. Yeah. So what's the vision for? Yeah, yeah. What, let me jump in for a minute yeah, because ahead. you know at the beginning you, you said, uh, uh, Joe, you said you're pleasantly surprised. So in the next year, two, three, five years, what what do you expect to be pleasant, pleasantly surprised about uh, with your company and with your growth? Talk to us about your vision, I guess. Well, I mean, I think the product line will continue to evolve, but I, the thing that I'm personally most excited about right now. Is, is watching our company and our products and our partners solve a very, very difficult challenge in manufacturing, and that's the labor shortage. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I literally I speak all across the U.S. to, to groups, big and small, and I've, I have yet to find a plant manager, a CEO, an owner, or a president who is not shaking his or her head trying to figure out how to hire in their manufacturing department. And I, it's probably, it's too long a discussion for, for this particular podcast, but, you know, we've done a lot of research and we have great statistics from, you know, Bureau of Labor and Standards, from National Association of Manufacturers, Society of Manufacturing Engineers, et cetera. And the net of it is we, we have a huge demographic problem in staffing manufacturing and it's not going away. And, just to put a couple numbers on it, um, I'm part of the problem. I'm a baby boomer. There are 10,000 of us retiring every day. Well, don't re- staggering don't retire on us, Joe. No, you, I'm not. Joe, you can't retire. You can't go. Um, nope, not yet. <laughs> I, got da- I got a daughter who wants to go to grad school. So you're in. 27% of the manufacturing workforce is 55 or older. Wow. 
And so what excites me is watching how companies big and small can make these incremental investments with collaborative robots mm-hmm. and not just solve manufacturing problems, but solve this very, very real labor problem that's costing them growth. It's costing them bottom line. It's costing them customers. Yeah, right. And actually, when I went on your website and looking around, uh, I guess that's where the word cobots came from. And I saw on your website that the work that you're doing is actually uh, retaining people um, because there is a labor shortage and that you work uh, you work hard to supplement or to improve the whole process. And uh, it's not necessarily displacing anyone that they have. But definitely, Joe, there's a there's a challenge in the labor pool going forward, as as Mike nods his head. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and to be perfectly honest with you, we're uh, we're, we're going to be adding um, a couple of UR robots for machine tending in our own shop for some of our large uh, production runs on our DoD work and probably on our CMM. And you can watch uh, it yourself. Yep, and, absolutely. Yeah, and, and only because we we kind of need to from a from a cost benefit issue and also from a. Uh, from an employee issue, um, just having enough employees, having them do more valuable things than sit and push a green button and load parts. So. Well, the the other thing is, and we've seen this, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I can get statistics on it, but I've anecdotally heard the story way too many times to not believe it. But first of all, it's true. Millennials have, over Gen Z or pick your, pick your letter, they have absolutely no interest in doing a dull, dirty job in a factory. They really don't, and I guess I can't blame them. I can't blame them either. I wouldn't want to do nope. it. So what we've seen is companies that even st- start to automate with collaborative robots, it dramatically changes the image of the company. They want to do that, Joe. They do. <laughs> they want to do easy, that. It's, easy, it's easier to hire. <laughs> yep. yep. Right? Their Absolutely. kids are interested. Um, we've got a couple really good case studies of, of end users who've, who have taken – line operators and turn them into the robot specialist for the plant. Absolutely. With, with great success. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how your organization and what Michael's doing at PSA is 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 uh, is addressing these issues. So we need to uh, wrap up so our our guest has been Joe Campbell. He's head of marketing for the Americas for Universal Robots. Joe, tell us your website one more time. It is www.universal-robots.com. So, Michael, anything to add before we wrap up? No, I'd just like to thank Joe for uh, taking the time out today. And uh, we're really excited to be a uh, UR robot integrator. And uh, we're, we're looking for uh, great success and uh, lots yeah. of installations in the future. Future horizons for both of us. Looking forward to working with you. Thank right. you, Joe, for being part of the PSA podcast. Okay, guys. Thanks much. So